chapter three of dr luttrell's first patient by rosa nuchette carey this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three aunt madge it is more delightful and more honourable to give than receive epicurus most people thought it a strange thing that mrs broderick spoke so constantly of her husband mrs tolman the vicar's wife who was a frequent visitor had been scandalized more than once and had expressed herself rather strongly on the subject to her husband i know you think very highly of poor mrs broderick stephen and so do i she remarked one day very few women would bear things in that quiet uncomplaining way and the amount of work she gets through is astonishing but that perpetual dragging in of her husband's name seems to me such bad taste upon my word isabella i cannot say that i agree with you and the vicar straightened himself on the rug in his favourite attitude he was a heavy ponderous man with an expression of shrewd good sense on his face that won people's confidence i wish other women were as faithful to their husband's memory that flighty little mrs martin for example my dear stephen what an absurd idea fancy talking of lydia martin every one knows she is making a dead set at mr germain although poor jack martin has hardly been dead a year she is mrs broderick's exact opposite please do not misunderstand me in this tiresome way and here mrs tolman frowned slightly it is the manner in which mrs broderick speaks of her husband that offends my tastes in my opinion compressing her lips as she spoke our departed dear ones are sacred and should not be mentioned in a secular manner at the word secular there was a twinkle in the vicar's eyes though he held his peace and to tell the truth mrs tolman had been unable to find the expression she needed but with mrs broderick it is fergus here and fergus there just as though he were alive and in the next room and she was expecting him in every moment sometimes in the twilight it makes me quite creepy to hear her speaking in that sprightly voice just as though she were making believe that he heard her poor soul was the vicar's answer to this but he was used to keeping his thoughts to himself he and mrs broderick understood each other perfectly she had not a firmer friend in the world unless it was her kind physician dr randolph poor soul he repeated when his wife in silent dudgeon had retired from the room it is not likely that isabella would understand her mrs broderick is the bravest and the brightest woman i know and yet the furnace was heated sevenfold for her make believe that he is alive why he has never been dead to her it is her vivid faith and her vivid imagination that has helped her to live all these years instead of lying there a crushed wreck for people to patronize and pity and here again there was a wicked little twinkle in the vicar's eyes did he not know his isabella 
and how good she was to those who would allow her to advise and lecture them mrs broderick has just laughed and put her foot down that is why isabella is always complaining of her they have not exactly hit it off and here the vicar laughed softly as he sat down to consider his sermon aunt madge how cosy you look exclaimed olivia as she stood on the threshold of the warm fire-lit room and then a swift transition of thought carried her back to the dismal little dining-room at galveston terrace with its black smouldering fire and the damp clinging to the window-panes and an involuntary shiver crossed her as she knelt down beside her aunt's couch my dear livy you are a perfect iceberg exclaimed mrs broderick no you shall not kiss me again until you are warmer sit down in that easy chair close to the fire where i can see you and take that hand-screen for the good of your complexion now deb bring the tea-things like a good soul for mrs luttrell has made a poor dinner how could you guess that aunt madge are you a witch or a magician asked olivia in her astonished voice it was pure guesswork on mrs broderick's part but as usual her keen wits had grazed the truth olivia who had a healthy girlish appetite had risen from the midday meal almost as hungry as when she had sat down the dish of hashed mutton had been small and if olivia had eaten her share martha would have fared badly a convenient flower-pot a gift from aunt madge had prevented marcus from seeing his wife's plate olivia who had dined off potatoes and gravy was already faint from exhaustion as usual she confessed the truth it was my fault aunt madge she said basking like a blissful salamander in the warm glow i ought to have known the meat would not go round properly but happily marcus did not notice or else there would have been a fuss he and martha dined properly and i mean to enjoy my tea but mrs broderick's only answer was to ring her handbell deb boil two of those nice new-laid eggs that mrs broughton sent me mrs luttrell has had no dinner if the scones are ready we will have tea at once and as deborah nodded and vanished she shook her head a little sadly olive dear it won't pay you are not the sort of person who can safely starve i thought there was something wrong about you when you came in you had a peaky underfed look oh i thought so as the tears rose to olivia's eyes now i am not going to say another word until you have had your tea look at zoe she thinks you are in trouble about something and wants to lick your face is not the sympathy of a dumb creature touching they don't understand what is wrong but they see plainly that their human friend is unhappy come to me zoe and i will explain matters it is not much of a trouble olive is not really miserable she is only cold and hungry and weak and wants petting and cosseting 
i think i am rather unhappy aunt madge returned olivia in a sad voice things are getting worse and marcus looks so careworn he was talking in his sleep last night we have so little money left only just enough for six months rent and the coals and ever so little for housekeeping and no patients come and now i have made up my mind to tell him to-night that martha must go my dear olivia we talked that over a few weeks ago and we decided then that you had better keep her yes aunt madge i know but indeed indeed we cannot afford her food these growing girls must be properly fed and the amount of bread and butter she eats would astonish deb and here olivia heaved a harassed sigh well well we will talk it over again and then deb brought in the tea-things and the scones and the new-laid eggs and as mrs broderick sipped her tea it did her kind heart good to see how her niece enjoyed the good things before her there now you feel ever so much better she said when the meal was finished now we can talk comfortably i've been thinking over what you have said and i suppose you are right from your point of view and that if you cannot afford martha's food she must go but i have been thinking of marcus he is at the turning point of his career everything depends on his making a practice when patients send for him and they will send for him by and by do you think it will look well for his wife to open the door to them but aunt madge olive you were always a good honest little girl and you have grown up an honest woman you want to do your duty and slave for marcus and dot and you have begun nobly by starving yourself until you are on the verge of an hysterical attack but we must think of marcus martha must not go at least not until the winter is over i have been saving a few pounds for your christmas present i meant you to have had a new dress and jacket and a few other little things you needed but if you like to pay martha's wages with it until easter you can please yourself only take it and say no more what crying again what nonsense as though i may not give my own niece a little present it is the goodness and the kindness returned olivia with a low sob aunt madge why are you so good to me you have saved all this and you have so little to spare as though i do not know what a small income you really have it is a very respectable income and my dear fergus worked hard to make it i never profess to be a rich woman but i have everything i want if people would only cut their coat by their cloth as fergus used to say there would be less distress in the world well my wants are few i have no milliner's bills here there was a gleam of fun in the invalid's eyes no smart bonnets or fashionable mantles needed at this establishment only just a cosy tea-gown now and then when the old one is too shabby come olive are you not going to count your money 
and then olivia emptied the contents of the little purse on her lap well as the slim fingers sorted the gold and silver will there be enough for martha's wages until easter yes indeed aunt madge and there will be some over i can buy the stuff for baby's winter pelisse without troubling marcus and do you know knitting her brows in careful calculation i do believe that with a little contrivance and management i can get some new trimming for my sunday hat and a pair of chevrette gloves good chevrette gloves are dear but they wear splendidly and a pair would last me most of the winter yes her eyes brightening i am sure i could do it it does fret marcus so to see me shabby mrs broderick nodded in a sympathising way she knew the joy of these small economies and contrivances the little purse of savings had not been gathered together without some self-denial but as she saw the lovely rainbow smile on olivia's face she felt that she had her reward this is my red-letter day she said quaintly it is always a red-letter day when i can really help some one i have my black-letter days when i can do nothing special when it is all noughts and crosses in my diary i have had my christmas treat beforehand and i shall be quite happy till bedtime thinking about dot's police and the new hat trimming by the by what colour is the police to be blue baby is so fair and blue suits her best i think i shall get some cotton-backed velvet just to trim it i must uh, dream of fur how would miniver look round the cape and neck i have two or three yards in very good condition deb picked it off my wadded satin mantle years ago i was keeping it for some special occasion if you buy a really good cashmere and trim it with my old miniver dot will have a grand police and then mrs broderick hunted in her key basket for a certain key and instructed her niece to unlock a drawer in her wardrobe it was growing late by this time and olivia was obliged to take her leave marcus had promised to be back by seven and it was six o'clock now but as she walked briskly through the quiet streets she felt as light-hearted as a child what a happy evening she and marcus would spend there would be no need now to tell him about martha or to beg him to give her the few shillings for dot's police he should have a nice tea aunt madge had made her take a couple of the new-laid eggs and a pot of deb's delicious marmalade home with her and she knew how marcus would enjoy the little treat dear aunt madge how i love her i think she is the very best woman in the world but here olivia gave a surprised start she had reached the print shop at the corner of harbutt street and in the strong glare of the gas lamp she distinctly saw the tall bent form of her mysterious neighbour 
he was coming out of the shop and walking stiffly and with difficulty in the direction of his house she had never known him out so late before his afternoon walk was always timed for him to be back by four she glanced at the shop window but there was no picture of the prodigal son to be seen had he bought it was this the reason why he was out so late olivia felt a little anxious as she noticed how feebly he walked the greasy pavements were rather slippery and galveston terrace was not a well-lighted thoroughfare perhaps it was nonsense but she would not enter her house until she had seen him safely across the road and within the lion-guarded portals it was just kindly womanly instinct but all her life long olivia was glad that she had yielded to that impulse she was still standing upon the step and the old man was nearly across the road when she saw him slip a piece of orange peel on the curb had escaped him in the darkness and he had put his foot on the slippery substance olivia gave a quick exclamation as she saw him try to recover his balance and then fall forward rather heavily no one was passing just then and happily the road was clear of vehicles olivia ran across and picked up his stick then she took him by the arm and helped him to rise i trust you have not hurt yourself she said anxiously please do not be afraid of leaning on me i am very strong ah as the old man uttered a groan you have injured yourself in some way the curb is rather steep just here it is my ankle but i must get home somehow you are very good madam if you will allow me to take your arm i think i can manage those few yards i live there pointing to the grim doorway yes i know mr gaythorne of galveston house we are neighbours of yours and i have seen you come out of the house frequently shall i ring the bell for you and perhaps hesitating a little as though she were taking a liberty you will allow me to go as far as the hall door with you but to her alarm the old man suddenly stood still it was pitchy dark under the overhanging trees and only a faint gleam from a large bow window showed her the length of the garden path that they would have to traverse i can do no more he said faintly i believe i have broken my ankle mrs crampton and the maids must find some way of getting me in perhaps madam you will be so good as to explain the matter to them i see the door is open and olivia at once left him and went up to the house your master has met with a slight accident she said to the astonished maid he has fallen and hurt his foot and it is quite impossible for him to walk up to the house he mentioned mrs crampton perhaps you will ask her what is to be done and the girl a good-natured buxom country lass at once ran off olivia stood patiently for a few minutes the hall with its handsome rugs and blazing fire looked delightfully inviting 
a lean old hound stretched on a tiger skin turned its head and then rose stiffly and came towards her as its slender nose touched her dress she saw the poor thing was blind the next moment a cheerful-looking great-haired woman hurried towards her followed by two maids what is it that phoebe tells me ma'am mr gaythorne has met with an accident times out of number i have begged and prayed him not to go out alone but he was not to be persuaded he is down there by the gate the trees hide him returned olivia hastily i think it would be best to take an armchair if you think we could carry him in he is in dreadful pain and cannot walk a step farther phoebe tell cook to light the lantern and then you two girls bring one of the study chairs the lantern first mind now ma'am perhaps we had better find my master and the lasses will follow us there are four of us and mr gaythorne is not so very heavy and we will have him on the library couch in no time End of chapter three